When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, joined as always by Ann Thompson. I'm in New York, Ann's in LA, lots of stuff going on on both coasts. But first of all, Ann, our cliffhanger last week wasn't movie related at all. It was the midterms. Uh, I stayed up late watching this stuff and then I woke up and it was still going. I feel like we're still in it. Uh, but I feel kind of okay. What was it like for you? I feel really good. Uh, you know, Michael Moore, of all people, was going on and on and on about how there was going to be a blue wave and and how this red wave was uh, complete bullshit and that the pundits didn't know what they were talking about. And he was right. You know, it, it really, uh, the red wave didn't materialize. Uh, maybe they're going to eke out some kind of... Uh, dominance is you know mild margin of dominance in in the house we guess kevin mccarthy gets something but not much and as you and i have been discussing i'm i got my postcard assignments uh, hell yeah postcards to voters well yeah i mean Mm. we've been here before with this exact runoff that's what's so crazy about it it's like okay we're doing this keep running over and over again I, i you know so so he uh, but the but the trick there is that the indie candidate who got a small percentage of the vote, uh, that guy is going to probably endorse Warnock. So. Right. And he got yeah. to get the nomination. And and Warnock still came up ahead. So so that was that was promising. I felt good about it overall. I'm sorry about Stacey Abrams. You've interviewed her before. I mean, she's a fascinating kind of cultural figure maybe running for governor isn't necessarily the only thing that she can do with her time now what do you think her prospects are i think she should have a talk show somebody else thinks she should uh start a think tank you know and be a a strategic um operative somebody who figures out what the democrats can do better because she's very astute yeah, I mean, I I'm, I don't think talk show is necessarily the most constructive use of somebody like this, because even if she doesn't necessarily run and win when she runs for office, she has she's clearly had a, a profound effect on the electorate. And that's a, a purple state that trends towards blue in a lot of fascinating ways. I mean, you look at the split vote with Warnock and Kemp. Right. So I do think that she could continue to be more invested and get, you know, an organization that gets out the vote, that gets people registered to vote and fired up and still write her mystery novels on the side. She's or got whatever a lot else going is, on know. and she could be in Hollywood, you know, and do very well. Yeah, as long as that's but a side. I want project. that brain. I did interview her once. And, and, you know, there's that moment where you go, oh, <laughs> this person's really smart. You know, yeah. you, 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 it's so much fun to talk to someone who's way more brilliant than you are. And she's yeah, like, she's got that. a lot going on. She's, she's got, got that kind on. of, uh, uh, and she's got those political uh, skills, those talking skills. I, I, I think we could, I would like to see those skills put to the best possible use for the Democratic Party is what I would like to see. So one other thing about this runoff with Georgia, you know, because of the new election laws, it's a really short period. It's like three weeks. It's like early December when this is I happening. better get cracking on my I know you really got I, I have it. And my daughter, Eva, turns one and we're throwing a birthday party and I already got a bunch of postcards. So when people are hanging out, happy maybe birthday, they can also, Eva. 
Also, that's very exciting. Yes, a lot happens in it. I can't in believe one it. I can't believe yeah, I the whole year has gone by. I know it's pretty wild. Believe me, but uh, but yeah. So we're surrounding her with a, a true uh, democratic pursuit in in writing postcards to voters this weekend. But uh, but also, I was just gonna say, I mean, Georgia with with Tyler Perry and his studio there, and all the film productions there. I'm curious to see if in this short period of time, there's much you know traction and from the film industry in terms of how it gets invested. Because clearly, a lot of people are down there making stuff because it attracts the industry. This is literally the only kind of election activity that's going to be going on between now and early December. So that well, should be fascinating to watch. So we're still waiting in LA for the um, Karen Bass, Rick Caruso race to be called. It, they're counting the votes and it's very close. It's like 50, 50. It's very, Yikes. very close. Yikes. Uh, it could very go strange. either way. We're all, we're all, we're all on tenterhooks there, but as far as all the propositions and everything, it went very well. All the ones Good. I hated got, voted down Good. um and we we supported abortion rights along with some other states so you know, it, was, it was a good day positive movement so the other thing going on in la obviously was afi where you finally got a chance to see pinocchio they screened it out out here in new york too so we can add that to a film that we have seen now that it though it, it premiered in london a while ago we can finally I talk loved about pinocchio. it i heard some stories actually over that weekend about how uh under the wire it was for for del toro to finish that movie in time to show it in london uh so it, it is finished <laughs> and it looks fantastic it's stop motion yeah. animation it's a it's an immersive magical uh ride into another world and it, it is of course a, a familiar fairy tale done with that dark edge that only guillermo brings and i see it as the uh front runner it could beat pixar uh turning red in the animation race and the trouble with the academy is that they tend to be um what's the word parochial i don't know they they want their uh, actors to be live action actors they want uh the costumes to be full scale uh you know they don't take the kind of artistry that is part of you know the maquillage the, the uh, i mean the the maquettes the the extraordinary costumes the production design all the art that goes into a stop motion animation film tactile they don't see it that way real, yeah, yeah you know it, it could make it to best picture though if the writers and the composers, uh, Alexandre Desplat does an amazing job, he could get nominated. Got a pile um, up. Yeah, no, they've got a. They, they've all got to support it. But writers tend to support. It could, this could be adapted screenplay. Writers tend to support uh, animated films, and animated films do get into Best Picture, especially when there's ten. And they are uh, campaigning for it. I mean, there are FYC. Uh, ads now that say for your consideration best picture in big letters with Guillermo's face that's still of him kind of peeking into the house and of course you know, he's an Oscar winner for Shape of Water and Pants just Lab got a best picture nomination he's, last year I mean he's he's very very well liked if if, yeah. if night if if Nightmare Alley got into best picture that shows that, you how, yeah. how strong that, he is that and that was like also down to the wire and, and didn't even have a festival premiere or anything it just kind of suddenly materialized and, and, and got in the other thing uh, in animation news as an aside worth noting is that uh, it was reported this week that both Marcel the Shell and Apollo 10 and a half which was initially disqualified or considered uh, the Academy said was not an animated film both of those are now considered animated films so Marcel the Shell being, that's live action stop motion yeah. yeah and then and then, and then rotoscope yeah I mean and that sets a good precedent obviously now there's going to be all these conversations about mocap that's sort of like the last 
um, kind of controversial still in the visual ingredients. universe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's sort of, there's some of that, that, that the whole rotoscope of it all has, has it sort of, it sort of bled into that a little bit, but now that's fallen. So it could be a really fascinating category with the range of animation styles on display, even if it's Pinocchio true and we'll see how they do, but, and Marcel is such a charming film and I hope it makes, uh, I hope this inspires people to, to watch it. Uh, yeah. Cause that's, that's one of my favorites. And I, I, I just, I, I was just so charmed. Yeah. Know? And it That's did really well. Like. It did really well for A20. I mean, they bought it last year out of after it premiered at Telluride. And then it had this slow build platform release kind of a thing. So it's been it's had a real word of mouth kind of life. The so. reason why it wasn't a strong candidate in many ways is that the animation category voters tend to be uh picky about how many characters there are. And since there's it's really a two-hander. Um, they don't, it, 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 it isn't as challenging from their point of view in terms of the animation. Yeah, so but it is it still a hybrid. It points for writing and yeah. charm right. <laughs> and execution. Right. Well, well, certainly charm is, is all, all that movie is about in a way. Um, but then, but back to Pinocchio, I mean, the other thing I think is really notable about this, movie, I mean, every, every the, it's, it's his most intimate film to some degree. I mean, it's, he he said Why it, it say well because because well okay first of all he's been trying to make this movie for a really long time Something his like father 10 years or, yeah. yeah his father died while he was making it his mother died the day before the premiere and she was ill um, while he was finishing it but the film is suffused with this sense of a sense of loss a lot of people say it's dark I think actually the Garone film from a few years ago was much darker it's, it's, it's think, in the same universe but actually, I think it's Eric. I think it's sad I think it's it's a very sad. And 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 in some ways, small it's dealing film. with death and loss. And some people who have um, adoption uh, stories in their families uh, re relate to it from that point of view as yes. well. The idea yeah. that there was a real child, and this is somehow another child who isn't as real. You're right. And coming into your role as a parent in a situation where you don't, you aren't the biological parent Correct. of someone, it touches on that very and well. The, guy but... who, who, the 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 actors are so good in this especially Christoph Waltz in a great turn as, as the circus master. And, and we, there's some pretty major uh, actresses involved. Kate Blanchett's in there. Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Yeah, absolutely. They're two big roles for, for women. And, and then McGregor is a cricket, of course. So he's, he's charming <laughs> and he sings and there's a great closing number. I'm very disappointed because I had this fantasy that you and McGregor would perform on the Oscars. He, and, remember, he was great in Moulin Rouge. This guy can sing. Right, He's a he great singer. Sing. And you know who else can sing, at least when a mariachi band is present, is Guillermo del Toro, who wrote the song, co-wrote the song with other people. I mean, he has a songwriting credit here, which is the, a well, first Well, they're going thing. with a different song. They're the Chao Mama or whatever that's called. They're but nevertheless, I mean, it's like he really does have his hand in it, like every layer of this thing. And th in that sense, I also think it's intimate. You're like really fully immersed in like a Guillermo del Toro. This is vision. what I, this is the feeling I had. I was instant. It's that sense that you've jumped on a magic carpet ride and you're off and you're gone and you're immersed in this other world. That's what's so great about it. And all the little details of that world are carefully, carefully wrought and thought out. And there are a million of them. And it goes from one thing to another thing, to another thing, to another thing. And I don't care. I want to go on all of those rides. I just hope it does as well as we want it to. I, I, everyone has to see this. It's it, Some people think it's a little too scary for children. Eh, who cares? It always was. Well, that's the part of the narrative Disney too. Pinocchio was. Right. Too. 
I don't that think was it's not a hit. That was one of the that was one of the Disney movies that was not a hit. That movie freaked me out a bit when I was a kid, certainly because of the whale stuff. And this one definitely is creepy to a kid, but also I think would be confusing. I mean, without spoiling stuff, a lot of a lot of the developments towards the end of this movie involving the fate of different characters and so forth. If it's you're intense. a young kid, you wouldn't it's necessarily. Intense. There's I a mean, lot of life and death. Yeah. 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 I mean, it really is existential in the existential dread. But again, this is another sort of narrative associated, broader narrative associated with this movie that that whole animation is film thing. It's not children's animation that, you know, Lord and Miller wrote that open letter after last year's Oscar ceremony because they had three women who had played Disney princesses in live action adaptations present the category and talk about, you know, your fond memories of watching Disney princesses growing up or whatever, like just sort of narrowing the potential. And this is pushing back on that. Definitely. I I agree with that 100%. And just if we go back to the Oscar point, people love Guillermo and he's out and around doing his thing. He talk about charm. The Guillermo del Toro charm offensive is not to be denied, but his artistry is not to be denied. You're going to talk to him, right? Yeah, I did this this week and obviously talked to him a bunch. We've, you know, hobnobbed with him. I mean, he's just like such a natural at doing that. He radiates good vibes in a way. Like he's just like one of the most lovable guys in the industry in a way that feels sincere. And that's obviously a rare thing to be able to pull off. I do think it's fascinating that Guillermo and Spielberg are kind of like two of our most prominent universally beloved artisans in this industry right now more than well, artisans but, more than artisans. well but they're both they're they have the, the craft and the and and the and the aesthetic kind Let's of say auteurs we'll call yeah, them auteurs. they are auteurs absolutely and so there there is something there too it's like i mean guillermo's not he's not an old guy in his 50s but he's He's eight, he's he's definitely starting to enter elder statesman territory in a way when you think about how many auteurs are there working in the US. I would argue age. that if you're talking, you know, who are they? Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, um, you know, the master statesman. You know, he's a, Tarantino is starting to grow up. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't command the same respect. Uh, you know, he's still no, in no. that other world of of violent uh, referential cinema. Well, and he's an iconoclast and a fighter. Again, it's like Guillermo radiates warmth. He doesn't do that, really. If he gets mad about something, it's shocking. Like when he tweeted out, you know, that he was pissed about an article that was like a Scorsese takedown. It was like shocking that he was upset about something. You know, whereas Tarantino is like always just like, pissed did and, you and crack the book yet and... i just got no you, you've got it right you got a copy how how is tarantino's uh i haven't got there i, I have to crack oh, you it. haven't I, opened I, it I have, okay i have to open it i'm it's, curious it I'm is saying... in a place of honor on my bedside table we, we shall get it. there yeah yeah i should get a copy so we can trade notes and, and see let's how do that it. for next week yeah yeah i think that's a really good good direction to go because i'm fascinated by yeah, like he's been sort of teasing this idea that well he'll stop making movies at some point and then he'll become a critic and historian so maybe this is the first step i think Guillermo would be really well equipped to do that too if he stopped making movies. I mean, that guy loves talking about other, uh, you know, film history and so sure. forth. So sure. it's a rare skill as well. So in terms of other stuff going on awards wise, a couple of different things came out this week. British Independent Film Awards that seemed significant because of how well After Sun did. What was your read on that? Okay, so I have been, as you know, um, reserved in my uh, assessment of how well After Sun would do at the Oscars. And I recently um, changed my best actor predictions on Gold Derby and added Paul Mescal. 
Now, why mm. did I do that? <laughs> mm. I did that because there's a momentum building for him. It started with the Gotham Nom. It went on with the British Independent Film Awards Nom, and now uh, the European Film Awards. And and I think what's going to happen, this is what has to happen if he is going to make it, is that is that th this movie, even if it's a, an art film, even if it's small, even if it's a discovery of a new talent, Charlotte Wells, as opposed to a movie that is truly accessible to a wide audience, um, the people, if the acting branch hears about it, sees these, continues to see his name bandied about, everybody knows who he is. He is known. And yeah. this is an opportunity for them to check out the movie and go, oh, my God, what an incredible performance. It is an incredible performance. Right. And meanwhile, it's been playing in theaters for months and gathering buzz and getting good reviews all over the place. I mean, I went to a dinner in New York a few like I think it was a week ago. They 24 threw together last minute with Charlotte Wells there and a bunch of critics. And I was thinking this will probably do well with New York Film Critics Circle. I don't know. Exactly I mean, right. I, I That's think the kind of film that the critics potential. are going to reward. So he's going to show up in those circles, as it were. Right. Yes. So it sort of stays the way that yeah. Drive My Car got a big boost when it got that best picture. But the thing about year. the acting race is that the fifth slot is wide open, and it could be any number of people who slide in there. And the we haven't seen... Uh, Babylon yet, which is November Coming 14th. Up. That will tell us something. And then the other uh, question is the sun, because Hugh Jackman gives a great performance in this movie. By the thing. way, I finally saw Music Man last night. You did. Uh, I saw it last time I was in New York. I know. And he's still freaking on stage doing this thing. He has he committed a to a longer run. He has committed <laughs> yes. to stay on. And why did he do that? This it is, is a cash cow, this show. There were so many people. And this was um, the week where on Broadway where they do a fundraiser for, for uh, AIDS. Um, so it's like at the end of the performance, the actors stay on stage and usually the lead actor will come out and say something, which he did, you know, in his kind of charming way. And then they did an auction and they auctioned off one of his white gloves and, and someone else in the audience offered it, it hit 10,000 and wow. somebody else in the off in the, in the audience didn't want to go higher than that, but said, if you sign another glove, I'll do 10,000 too. So they raised 20,000 on the spot with his like kind of charming Hugh Jackman thing happening after he did this whole song and dance routine that he's been doing thousands and thousands of times. Well, he could get out of the music man at this point and he could come out to LA. Maybe he doesn't want to campaign. I mean, you know, maybe this is a good way to get out. He's of campaigning. doing stuff in New York on he Monday stuff in New York. But yeah, the point is stuff. that the sun is not resonating. It isn't playing that well. So but I it think doesn't, it doesn't opening. matter. Doesn't matter with Hugh Jackman being Hugh Jackman. And give, and give the act, this is the kind of, of performance the actors are drawn to like honey. So it could be that they would give him the nomination in spite of the fact that they don't like the movie. But the word of mouth on the movie is bad. So a lot of people may not watch it if they if they don't feel compelled. That's these are the questions. I mean, sometimes, for example, it, you have plenty of movies that aren't very good, like Judy, right, where Renee Zellweger got you know, one. Even though it was a bad movie, into that. It, but it it, she owned it. She and that owned was, it. But also, that was a big sort of lively showbiz thing. Even if it, the movie was not very good, but it it resonated. The subject matter resonates. You so know, that it's a, it's a you know is he overdue? Hugh Jackman, sure. Is it the kind of performance they like? Yes, but it it it's it, it's hard to gauge. Sometimes it could be Paul Mescal's turn. It is it, an interesting category though, because you also have. Um, Jeremy Pope with the inspection, 
which is a movie that still needs that to kind of be screen the, more widely. Discovery, and, you know, kind yeah. of uh, slot. It's quite, that's again, all of this, it's a question of who sees it, how many right. people see it. Right. If the word is that the sun is a disturbing, uncomfortable movie about mental illness, then, you know, people may, or if the word is that after sun is an arcane art film that is so slow that you fall asleep. It, it, these are the questions, you know? Yeah. I don't, I mean, somebody falls asleep during after sun, they'll have some very pleasant dreams, I think, but, uh, it's beautiful. So the so European then, Film Awards yeah, did have, uh, so your movie Close, the the one you love so much. It's a good there. movie. I'm not saying I love it so much. I think it's, 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 it's one of the ones fan. And about. then there's Corsage. I'm a fan. Uh, Holy Spider. I'm a fan. And Triangle of Sadness. Now, Triangle of Sadness is an interesting case where I've been sort of backing off of my gung-ho appreciation of it. And I've, I decided that it was a comedy. And so and in some ways, a gross out comedy and that there are those high-minded individuals who simply cannot handle people throwing up as a good comic gag you know it, it, they just one don't of the best it. parts of the movie no i mean question. it's like a it's like a bunuel movie though i mean that's essentially it's like thank you terminating angel inverted or no something. uh discreet charm of the bourgeoisie that's that what it is it yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so so this is this is why um i was backing off but uh it, it is still one of the best directed movies of the year. So I got all excited about Black Panther um, and it got worse reviews than we were expecting. Not that and, bad, though. Good enough. Yeah, it's at 70. The original yeah. was at 88. But it's a sequel. I mean, it's really hard to talk. It's not Godfather Part Two. It's still a Marvel movie at the end of the day. I mean, it's going to do very well. Story. It's a Marvel movie and it's going to do very well. Oscar wise. It would have to come up pretty high in the it would have to be very elevated for it to for for, for example for Ryan Coogler to make it to best, best director. director. But Angela Bass. But the best director race is, is yeah. wide open. And I yeah, put Ruben Ostlin back in there. That's easy. I mean, it's doing well. Um, like Tar. I mean, these are both kind of really Tar I'm not edgy worried about auteur films. So yeah, but is I was I was fascinated when those two opened back to back and then both have you know ended up doing really well and they did well initially as they got broader they didn't do as well but that was everything as they got i mean that's a whole yes, other thing right i thing. mean it's a there, thing were, there are people who listen to this podcast who have told told me that we are perhaps a little too um optimistic about what what success actually looks like these days in terms of box office performance but People are seeing these movies. We I mean, are grateful that adults have returned to the movies. Unfortunately, yeah. not as many, but <laughs> in sufficient numbers. And yeah, but it's the something. movies that are successful, like Everything Everywhere All at Once, a movie like that is successful because it played young. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, and we need we need stuff like that to resonate. So there are art house audiences of that demo that continue to be engaged, and then also um, European Film Awards. I should note Al Caras. That's the Spanish submission. Is is sort of creeping along. I'm curious to see if that makes the short list. It's a it's a very quiet movie, but the it's, it's very satisfying. Films, so yeah. you know the likelihood is chance. good that all of those will make the short list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So also this week we found out there's an Oscar host. 
And it's this so what's guy. What's your take on Jimmy Kimmel? Jimmy Kimmel. I was just sort of like, okay, this feels like it's the the the, the strategy is if it ain't broke, like. Jimmy Kimmel, in spite of overseeing, you know, perhaps one of the most disastrous, certainly the most disastrous ending to the Oscars Wasn't of all time. His fault. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess not. It may but be I, that he remembered it with horror, which is why he yeah. didn't turn down previous offers to maybe. Uh, Time is always on the side of the Oscar host uh, invites, you know. I wasn't blown away by the choice. I I guess the question is, it's sort of like, what is the end goal here? Is it to get the best ratings or is it to sort of get okay ratings and survive any kind of scandal? Because he's definitely a steady as they go type of host. I agree with you that that's what it is. I think it's a, a huge win. A huge win. It's a return to a single host. It's a return to a familiar and competent and completely capable guy who can play the room and knows the players, who knows all the celebrities. Yeah, he can be funny. He can he can carry the the night. He 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 doesn't have to be the one who sells the awards. And I think what they recognize already is that there's going to be a lot of big name movies in contention this year. This could be the biggest Oscar night in a long time. Yeah, I'm curious if, to see if how Top that. Top Gun and, uh, you know, Avatar. Black Panther and, and Avatar, yeah. You know, Black Panther. Maybe Black Panther doesn't get in there this time, though. Well, but I mean, it'll have some kind of presence. And even if it doesn't get Best Picture, they could still make reference to various kinds of things and invite people in. I mean, the the, the thing is, I, I just hope he doesn't, if, if there's an international presence, let's say RRR gets a Best Picture nomination, which I don't, I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen, but like, I hope he doesn't just like make some sort of dopey American joke. He's allowed about to make fun of, of movies. He's yeah, allowed to make just, fun of movies. They've always made fun of movies. If he just not through Rachel, a dopey Amer- white bad. guy don't lens. Don't go after the art films would be my... Would be that, my exactly. Mind. It's yeah. just like, don't don't condescend to that side of things. I just think it sends the wrong message. Even if it's like the nonprofit academy that isn't necessarily trying to project that image when it's throwing on a good show. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a, I just hope that part doesn't happen because it, it, it holds back other potential in other areas in a way, but I am, but I am curious to see how things shape up and, and what he chooses to do. I think it's a return to, to normal is what it sends the message. You know, you, this isn't a bunch of weird matched, weirdly matched, you know, hosts. You know, this, this is an established, talk show host figure who will command the night. I I actually think it's very smart. Who was your favorite host beyond Jimmy Kimmel of recent years? Because I was thinking, I really like Jon Stewart when he did it, which you can't have him back now. I mean, he's got this uh, pretty iconic show. I don't regard him as one of the great successes. I I enjoyed him a lot. The best, you know, Steve Martin or uh, that would have been good. Or uh, I, I, I love... Um, I loved Hugh Jackman when he was the host. Right, because you get the musical component. I think that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And I and I I actually think Ellen was a good host. Not that we could go back there either. Can't have her either. Yeah. So it kind of shows you how limited the options are. Good talk show hosts can do. Ellen is another example. So next week we've got Babylon because Babylon you're seeing it what Tuesday Monday Monday or Monday Monday night is L.A. It's just an L.A. premiere. It's a it's just a first media screening, something like that. And then in Wednesday, in Wednesday in New York, we'll get a chance to see it all three hours and eight or nine minutes uh, with Brad Pitt and Damien Chazelle and Margot Robbie all doing the round. So that's just going to 
I mean, we'll see if it lights up the conversation in a big way, but it's certainly going to make an impact on the conversation next week. So this uh, this field will continue to have fewer question marks when we reconvene. <laughs> and I look forward to uh, digging into it with you then. See you I soon. I mean, the Ian. other thing that happened cool. at the AFI Fest last week was the Fablemans, which closed out the fest. And so Spielberg put on a major offensive in town. He, he, he did the Academy screening where he got a, a rousing standing ovation. He did the WGA. He did the, you know, he just worked the 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 weekend, and I think um, it played very well at AFI Fest. You know, so so there's a lot of wind in the Fableman's sails for for the moment. Um, we'll see what comes up next. To be You're right. Babylon is the next big question. Babylon, Fableman's, lots going on. See you soon, Anne.